Locked On Podcast Network presents Locked On Sports Today. The Denver Nuggets wasted no time asserting themselves in the Western Conference Finals. How did the Lakers move forward from here? Also, the Celtics and Heat know each other very well, especially come playoff time. And we finally know where Victor Wembanyama will be playing next year. I'm Kainani Stevens, in for Peter Bukowski. Western Conference Finals are underway. Denver takes a lead over the Lakers, 1-0 after a game that looked like a blowout originally, but the Lakers really fought back late in this one. Um, it ended up being a loss, but is there something to be said for that? It would have been far more out of character for this team to give up. You know, maybe in the fourth quarter with, I don't know, nine, ten minutes left of this thing was completely out of hand, and you're just thinking about resting guys for game two. You might wait, wave the white flag, but as long as guys are on the court, they are, generally speaking, going to fight with this team. There's nothing underrated left at this point about Nikola Jokic, but he still does some ridiculous things out there. I mean, that three he nailed over Anthony Davis, just some of the things he's doing out there. Is, is it something where you try to shut him down as much as you can or you kind of like limit him? What is the Lakers' philosophy in terms of how they're trying to deal with him in this series? I mean, to some degree, you have to just acknowledge this is an MVP caliber player and, you know, one of the all-time great bigs. And you have to just figure out the best ways, I think, to make him work. And I thought as the game went along, the Lakers did a very good job with that um, in terms of Rui Hachimura bodying him more as the game went along. You know, Rui's a really strong guy. And I thought he did a nice job just making it so Jokic couldn't get to his spots easily, which allowed AD to lay back more, patrol the paint, sometimes come over for weak side blocks, or just bother Jokic enough that Denver's offense starts growing more stagnant because in a lot of ways mm -hmm. he is, you know, he's not the offense because they've got a lot of weapons, but he's definitely more than anybody else on Denver, the guy who orchestrates and makes the offense work. We saw a little bit of what they are able to do what, with what you just described later in this game when they kind of got it, got things within, you know, striking distance, if you want to put it that way. Is that something they can build off of going into game two, or do you think they kind of need to rebuild the game plan altogether? Well, I a little bit of both, actually, because I think what they saw down the stretch of the game actually involves reinventing the game plan to some degree. Mm -hmm. I, I think Darvin Ham, frankly, made a lineup mistake. Um, Okay. He went small, uh, carrying over the look that the Lakers had in game six against the Warriors, closing, closing them out, uh, putting uh, Dennis Schroeder in the starting lineup alongside mm -hmm. D'Angelo Russell and Austin Reeves for a three-guard lineup, which Darvin did that, and it made sense against Golden State because they were trying to avoid a situation where Golden State could sag off in this particular case, Jared Vanderbilt, who's an, you know, a non-scoring uh, factor. And then you could just throw more bodies at Anthony Davis. And you have to guard Schroeder, obviously, but Denver is just too big of a team for a three-guard yeah. lineup. And I, I had figured heading into this game that Darvin would go back to a look either with Jared Vanderbilt or maybe Rui Hachimura because Rui is a scoring threat and somebody that you have to guard but you still get that size. Um, I was maybe not totally shocked that Darvin Ham 
kept that three guard lineup just because he's often liked having multiple guards out there, but it got off to a disastrous start. I was hoping that he would flip it up at halftime. He didn't. I would like to think based on what we saw, the late, how the Lakers got back into this game that you will likely see Rui Hachimura in the starting lineup. Whether for Dennis Schroeder or D'Angelo Russell is a very interesting question, mm -hmm. but I would be frankly stunned um, if Darvin Ham went in game two with Schroeder, Reeves, Russell again. So we'll see some changes, obviously, but we'll have to see exactly what they do with the lineup. Denver's so deep. They have so many players that can, can hurt you. How important is it? I don't want to call it a must win because I guess there's never really a must win. I'll call it a must win. It's a must win game too, right? <laughs> Here's the thing about the playoffs. They're all yeah. must win. Like there's <laughs> no such thing as a throwaway playoff yeah. game. And like people can get super into the weeds trying to figure out just how much you need to win this particular game, whatever, like the percentages. And what it means for the series. Yeah. Must win. Like they're all really <laughs> important. But yeah, uh, I will just come out and say going back uh, to L.A. down 0-2 would be really bad. So call it a must win. Stay up to date all year long on the Los Angeles Lakers by subscribing to Locked On Sports Today and Locked On Lakers on your favorite podcast app and also on YouTube. Thanks for making Locked On Sports Today your first listen. Coming up, the Heat are quite familiar with their Eastern Conference Finals foe. Before we get to that, though, the Sixers made their first big change of the offseason. Are you looking for a delicious snack, but you don't want all the sugar and calories? I have the best idea for you. It is Built Bar. What makes Built Bar so great? They're made with 100% real chocolate, so they taste delicious, but they're also good for you because they only have 130 calories and four grams of sugar and 17 grams of protein. You don't need to wait to get a box. For years, we've been talking about ordering Built Bar at Built.com, but now you can get them in person. You can get them at Walmart or Sam's Club. If you head to Walmart, you just go to the pharmacy section, you can get those four bar boxes of cookies and cream, double chocolate bars, or coconut puff. Those are my personal favorite. I like the marshmallow, protein infused marshmallow puffs. You can also go to Sam's Club. That's where I buy mine. You can get the 13 bar box there with the flavors brownie batter puff and churro puff. So check them out. You will thank me later. Now, here's what you need to be locked on today. The Philadelphia 76ers dismissed head coach Doc Rivers on Tuesday. Locked on Sixers host Keith Pompey says he did not see Rivers as part of the problem. If the Sixers would have won game seven, people would have been celebrating Doc Rivers for getting them out of the second round. For the first time since 2001, oh, the monkey is off his back. Right? But since James Harden and Joel Embiid had four games, everyone's like, oh, you got to fire the coach. Now, if James Harden, Joel Embiid would have made more shots, if the guys on the team would not have quit, then we would have been celebrating the coach. Now, effort, I get that. That's, you can say that's on the coach. The guys, you can say the guys quit on the coach. You can say whatever, right? You can come up with any reason for their poor play that you, that you had. You can do that, right? But to me, I don't think it's kind of fair when you factor in that James Harden struggled, Joel Embiid struggled, 
The guys were outscored 33 to 10. Poor body language. I don't think that's the coach. Steve Kerr believes the biggest factor in the Warriors' demise in this year's playoffs has been the lack of trust in the locker room. You know, and, and you know, it's no, there's no hiding from it. The, uh, the incident with Draymond um, and Jordan at the beginning of the year played a role in that. Um, it's hard for that not to impact a team. And so, uh, you know, we uh, feel like we have a, a great group of, of people um, on the roster, on the coaching staff, in the front office. Um, we have a, a way of doing things that we're, we're very proud of, but um, those things were definitely challenged this year. On the diamond, the Boston Red Sox got a much-needed high-scoring win over the Seattle Mariners. The Red Sox offense appears to be back. They finally woke up in their win over the Mariners on Tuesday night. What's going on, everyone? It's Lauren from Locked On Red Sox, and the losing streak is over but it did not come without a struggle nick pavetta started the game okay and then all of a sudden he gave up four earned runs his struggles really started to show his strike percentage was just very very low and overall not the best start for pavetta and now it becomes the question we asked the other day if tanner Houck should go to the bullpen should it be nick pavetta he does not have any minor league options so that is not an option for him alex cora has a lot of decisions to make but the good news is the offense seemed to be A-OK -okay on Tuesday. I will break everything down for you from this game on Wednesday's episode of Locked on Red Sox. The New York Yankees got a mess of a win in Toronto over the Blue Jays on Tuesday. This is Stacey Gotsoulias of Locked on Yankees, and the Yankees beat the Blue Jays 6-3 up in the Rogers Center. There's plenty of drama in this game. There was plenty of drama before this game because of the narrative of Aaron Judge cheats. That was brought on by the Sportsnet broadcast, Buck Martinez, Dan Schulman on Monday night. So all that carried over into Tuesday. Aaron Judge was only one for five, but the one was a very loud one. Dead center, hitting the flight deck, the West Jet flight deck, and breaking the maple leaf in the sign and putting the Yankees up 5-3 in a game that they, they shouldn't have won. Honestly, when you when you think about how this game went, the Yankees should not have won this game and the Blue Jays should be embarrassed. Here is another story you need to know. Checking in with Wes Goldberg from Locked on Heat. I feel like maybe we should keep this interview on file because the Celtics and the Heat end up meeting each other in the playoffs seemingly every single year. And I, I don't hate it. I love it because I feel like you never really know what's going to happen. And... You can't really go off past performances. You can't even go off the last matchup from the regular season because every game is different between these two. Is that what makes it so interesting from your perspective? Yeah, I'm not sick of this matchup whatsoever. Even though, like you said, this, it's like they're home away from homes, right? For Miami, it's Boston, the Eastern Conference Finals, and for Boston, it's Miami. And yet, the matchups are so interesting. These teams are similar enough that there's like baggage yep. coming into this series, but it's they're different enough, too, year to year, where there's some like new interesting little tweaks and little schematic things that are going to play major factors in these series. And every single one of these series, it, it's coming down to a big block or a big shot or maybe a big miss shot or something like that where, um, look, I understand the Celtics are heavy favorites in this Eastern Conference Final Series. I get it. But 
Um, you talk to more and more people and it's like, all right, like I'm not counting the Miami Heat out and and I'm not either, certainly. And so uh, I'm really excited for the series. Yeah. You definitely can't count the Heat out, whether or not the Vegas books are on board. I don't know. But I will say anybody can win this series, certainly. And I think part of what makes it interesting for me is the roster construction for both of these teams, because I feel like they're two teams that just have the best benches, role player people, and anybody can step up at any point. Like, you know, we're seeing Al Horford play lockdown and bead, and it's just ridiculous. And he shows up every, you know, 20 games and it's crazy. And the Heat have a lot of guys like that, too. Is there anyone that you kind of like maybe, you know, not big game Jimmy, but anybody that you're kind of like, hey, they might play a bigger role than we expect coming up in this series? There's quite a few of those guys. You, you start with the top, right? The Jimmy Butler, Jason Tatum, yeah. Jalen Brown, and Bam Adebayo. And then you kind of get to that next layer. It's, is Kyle Lowry going to step up, right? I think he's an interesting character in this series because he did not have a good series when these two teams met in the conference finals last year. And the Heat recognized that, and they basically put him on a maintenance program during the season that he came off the bench for the last couple of months of the regular season, playing 20 minutes a night off the bench. And he's still coming off the bench, but he's playing like 25, 26 minutes a game in these playoffs. And he's been great for them. He was huge in that Knicks series, a big reason why they were able to advance past them. And if he can give them something to sort of solidify that second unit, that was a weakness for them in the conference finals last year. That could mean all the difference for the Miami heat. I'm looking at Kyle Lowry, not to just to make shots, but to be a guy in the pick and roll. Uh, to help Bam Adebayo get his baskets, right? Um, when he's on the floor without Jimmy, uh, without Jimmy Butler, um, and then defensively, what he's able to do to switch and do all these things, draw charges, uh, to get those hit ahead passes, to kind of steal like four points a game like that. Uh, those that that little stuff on the margins really matters when you get to this point in the season. When you see something like, obviously, we know Jason Tatum's a very talented man, but when he does things like he does in Game Seven right before he heads into a series with the Miami Heat. Is it something where you kind of take heat and you're like, we need to try to shut him down? Or is it more like, let's try to figure out what we can do best and Jason Tatum's going to be Jason Tatum a little bit? You look at how the Heat usually approach a playoff series under Eric Spolstra, mm -hmm. and they will try to slow down the star player on the other team, right? Mm -hmm. They're not really a team that says, let me get, let them get his and mm -hmm. then and then just sort of worry about the rest. No, they're going to try to slow you down. They, they do the same thing with Giannis, right? We remember the wall from the bubble and things like that. That reappeared when Giannis was available in the first round. Jalen Brunson, they spent the entire series picking him up 48 feet, mm -hmm. right? Like they will throw something at him, whether or not it's like a 100% that's our focus versus just, uh, all right, let's just try to throw him off his rhythm. They're going to do something to, to, to try to throw Tatum off the last thing that they want is for him to get hot early on for him to pick up confidence because you can kind of see it with Tatum sometimes there's nights where he just doesn't have it it's been an up and down postseason for him right like mm -hmm. just like the 51 point game performance in game seven awesome for him he also scored three points in three quarters before making a few three-pointers in the fourth quarter in game six against the Sixers so it, it's kind of hit or miss with him in this playoffs and I think the Heat are going to want to try to set the tone early with him and say hey, we're going to make it as hard for you as possible and maybe even make him more of a facilitator than he is a scorer. Um, that tends to be what it is that the Heat try to do. Stay up to date all year long in the Miami Heat by subscribing to Locked On Sports today and Locked On Heat on your favorite podcast app and also on YouTube. Coming up, Victor Wembenyama's landing spot in the upcoming NBA draft is now. Would it be the Rockets, the Trailblazers, or the Pistons? 
None of the above. The San Antonio Spurs won the NBA draft lottery. They are now probably already picking out the uniform number for Victor Wembanyama and what he will wear next season for them. Locked on NBA looks at the impact of the lottery win for San Antonio. San Antonio Spurs. So we got Locked on Spurs with Jeff Garcia. You can go subscribe to that show if you want to hear more about Victor Wembanyama. I'm sure he'll be happy about that tonight. Um, but yeah, that's a, that's a big get for them. That changes the course of their franchise because it felt like they were just revving up for one of these things. They were like, all right, well, let's look in the future, try to find a prospect that's generational like this, and then then we'll bottom out. Then we'll trade DeJounte Murray. Then we'll like start playing some of our guys. Then we'll like <laughs> play, play some of our rookies a ton. Then we'll actually bottom out and actually do a real tank job where, as before, it feel like they were, they were making the play-in and they were waffling between the two, and now they just went all in. It paid off for them getting Victor Weminyama, and now – this team has a definite future. And, I mean, and he fits really well with some of their other pieces. I mean, they don't really have a ton of other pieces, it seems like. But, like, Keldon Johnson, Devin Vassell, some of those other guys. Like, Wembenyama is, is, I mean, he's fitting right really well in there. And I wonder how this changes Pop. I wonder how this, Yeah, that's this changes, my question. If this changes Pop's decision to whether he was going to do one more year or anything like that. And finally, NBA Commissioner Adam Silver described himself as shocked when he saw a social media video of Memphis Grizzlies superstar John Morant holding a firearm less than two months after the commissioner had just met with him to discuss a similar incident that ended up with an eight-game suspension for Jaw. Morant was suspended in March after he could be seen during an Instagram Live session holding up a handgun while intoxicated at a Denver area strip club while they were in town to play the Nuggets. Now, many are wondering what Adam Silver is going to do discipline-wise with Morant this time. Silver does not have a reputation as being very hard with discipline, a little bit of a lenient guy. So I wonder if he will use this as a way to fix things and change that narrative. Thanks for making Locked On Sports today your first listen. Now go find your favorite team's Locked On podcast, Make that your second listen. Coming up tomorrow, can playoff Jimmy take down the Celtics in game one? At least until tomorrow, stay locked on sports today.